This podcast is brought to you by Watch City Research, your user research partner. Check out watchcityresearch.com for insightful blog posts and to learn more about our UX research services. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the 97 UX Things podcast. Dan Berlin here, your host and book editor. This week, I'm joined with Benson Chan, who wrote the Sell Your Design Ideas with Trust and Insights chapter. Welcome, Benson. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. Can you please take a moment to introduce yourself? Yeah. Uh, so my name is Benson, and I'm currently leading a uh, design and research team over at Amazon. Um, I work on uh, the personalization of uh, the Alexa um, assistant. Cool. Um, interesting do it, working on a voice UI. Have you run into any, uh, you know, are there any interesting research or design challenges you've, you've run into with that we're sharing? Yeah. You know, it's, it's pretty interesting, um, when we think about, uh, voice UIs, um, by themselves, it's such a new, uh, field and, um, it, it's something that's also hard to recruit for. Um, but with, um, but with the evolution of personal assistant devices now, we also have, um, screens as well. So, you know, we're, we're, we're doing multi multimodal design, um, as we call it, uh, which is basically doing voice only sometimes screen only, and then how they mm. both integrate together. Interesting. Sounds like a fun challenge. Yeah. Can you uh, tell us about your UX career? How did you discover user experience and, and how did you wind up where you are today? Yeah, you know, I think um, I think my first dab in uh, UX design was actually for um, when I was a teenager back in the middle 90s. Um, my first experience was using Microsoft, um, what's it called, front page or something. And mm -hmm. uh, my parents ran a uh, small bed and breakfast in Montreal, Canada, and they needed uh, sort of a web presence, um, or I thought they needed one. They had no clue what that was. So I, uh, so yeah, I kind of did a, uh, did what I could there, and that was my first foray into design. But um, but I went actually did school in in software engineering, and it wasn't until I figured out that I was not going to be the best coder programmer in the world. Mm that I wanted yep. to get in more into the business aspect of, of technology. Um, I started on my career in product management and through that I worked so closely with designers and researchers. And that's how I kind of, uh, discovered my, uh, my true passion, uh, in UX design and, uh, yeah, had the opportunity to, um, to switch into, uh, uh, a design leadership role at, at Microsoft and here I am. Yep. And can you tell us a little bit about that switch from product management to UX? Yeah. What helped what help facilitate that change? Uh, I think in my specific case, um, I just had a strong passion for the designers on the team and, and what they were doing. And I was already managing um, the product management team. And as luck would have it, uh, there was an opportunity for me to manage both and it made sense for the organization at the time. So that's how I hmm. made the, that's how I made the, the transition. And I always find it, um, you know, that much more productive when product and, uh, designers are working hand in hand to really think through what the, uh, what the product should be. Yep. Yep. And do you personally gravitate towards uh, design or research one or the other or somewhere in between? 
Um, I'd say, um, I say I spend more time on design topics, um, mm -hmm. but I think uh, research is such a key aspect um, in not just the design process, but overall product development. Um, so when we think about research and the time I spend there, I try to um, uh, incorporate research insights into not just what my team is doing, but how we partner with with um, teams like product management as well. Yep. Hey, and that uh, leads into your chapter. That's a nice segue there. Um, again, your chapter is sell your design ideas with trust and insights. Can you uh, tell us about your chapter here and fill us in? Yeah, you know, I, I think first of all, I think um, anybody who is in any field, but uh, especially in, in design um, and your UX practitioner, I think um, learning some of the fundamentals around like sales skills are so important. You know, we're mm -hmm. always like, we, we always have our, have our ideas and we need to effectively communicate it. And, you know, in a lot of, um, in a lot of our roles in, in UX, it's, it's, um, it's really a team sport. You know, it's not just about yourself and your opinion. It's also about the customer and about other, you know, stakeholders as well. So, uh, so yeah, I, I think learning sales skills is just an incredibly important skill to have for everyone. And, you know, one thing in my experience that I've noticed is there's just, uh, especially in organizations that I've had the opportunity to work in like Microsoft and, and Amazon, uh, there's a lot of great ideas coming left and right. And, uh, what, matters sometimes for a UX uh, designer is actually how you go about engaging your stakeholders, pitching your idea and, and, and carrying that through so that uh, the right solution ships. It's uh, the way you're describing it, it sounds like there's this, the sales um, aspect for uh, detailing your idea, but make sure that everyone is on the same page. It sounds like there's almost a mediator uh, role here as well to play. Yeah, you know, sometimes, um, sometimes, especially in UX, I find that the best idea doesn't have to come from you. You know, sometimes mm. it's about facilitating a process for how the yeah. best ideas can come forward. And you so happen to be the one to maybe be, be the, the skilled person to, to, to have it um, come to life. Um, but, but generating those ideas, getting the buy-in, um, sometimes that's about uh, facilitating um, and, and, uh, especially when you're bringing people along and you're facilitating, you actually don't even need to sell your ideas because the ideas came from the group. So, right. Right. Yeah. Design is not design and research is not just about design and research. It's about people and facilitating these conversations. That's a great point. Yeah, totally. So, so yeah, in the, in the chapter, I basically talk about four things to master, um, to effectively, uh, sell your design ideas. So communicate your understanding of the problem and the goals, um, back up your design ideas with customer insights and validation, uh, build trust with your stakeholders and show that you have both customer and business focus. Hmm. Can you, um, tell us about how folks can go out employing these? Yeah. So, um, communicate your understanding of the problem and goals is incredibly important because when it comes to selling your ideas or getting people on the same page as you, there's nothing more important than being on the same page about, Hey, like yeah. what is the problem that we're 
we're trying to solve. You know, there's nothing worse than somebody going off and coming up with a grandiose UX solution and come back and for people to react to be like, this is not what I had in mind or what I thought was the problem we were trying to solve. And there's a lot of nuances there, of course, but um, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I think as with any great pitch or any great design process that I've seen um, and have put in place, it, it, it starts with like a strong brief at the very beginning. And, you know, the focus of that brief should really be like, making sure that there's a two-way conversation happening um, to dial in on what is, what are, what is the problem or problems we're trying to solve and the opportunities that we're trying to go after. Yeah. And this sounds like the great opportunity to start off thinking about the, the, the business goals because you know, UX is all about it, getting the user's ex expectations, uh, but it also starts with the business goals. Yeah. So, you know, uh, related to the other point I brought up uh, around show that you have both customer and business focus, sometimes in how you scope the, the extent of your solutions for that to be effective, uh, you need to keep in mind, you know, what the, uh, what the business goals are, what the latest hot topics are. Um, what the latest constraints are. So a very simple example of that might be that um, uh, if the problems that if the problem is being that's being discussed is constrained by the amount of time and or urgency or resources that's available, you know, you don't want to naively come in with a grandiose solution that's going to take a year to build. If the um, if if you haven't taken into consideration that the team might have said we need to like change our registration or whatever numbers optimization for, uh, for this month. Um, yep. so that, you know, greatly kind of, um, scopes what type of thinking and complexity, uh, goes into the design solution you're thinking about. Yep. Is there a good way to efficiently con to convey to others that you do have a grasp of, of these topics and in order to move the, the conversation forward? Yeah, you know, I think the um, I think there's there's obviously uh, that that can happen through discussion, but I think there's nothing better. Like at Amazon, we have this practice of, um, as you might have heard, like we don't do a lot of present PowerPoint presentations. Um, we actually read like documents that people prepare ahead of time, and so like what we do here is um, designers or, or or any discipline. Uh, we typically start off documents being extremely clear about like distilling what is the problem we're trying to solve and uh, having a different section on the context around the problem. Um, so any data points uh, that may be relevant to to um, to raise, um, and then also having a, a clear and succinct statement on what the recommendation is. Um, mm. That way, you're kind of clear up front of what you're about to get into. And sometimes the conversation start, you know, starts and stops in like the first few paragraphs because like you're quickly showing what your understanding of the problem is and, and the context, whether it's right or not, uh, before before going into even, you know, any design solutions. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And it sounds like that's a great way to build trust as well. And, and that was another one of the items that you called out. What are what are some other ways that folks can build trust with the team? Yeah, you know, I think with trust, I, I would um, 
think about that like in a lot of human relationships where hmm. um you know it, it takes time to build trust and uh a lot of data points um so you know an, an example of that may be um how how aware are you of let's say your product management or your engineering partner what are problems that they're thinking about um for this particular project it may be a different perspective or an angle from yours but understanding that will be incredibly uh, important to kind of keep in mind as well and showing mm-hmm. them that you understand. So, so that's something that, that I found to be really effective. And that's really about um, practicing your listening skills. Hmm. Always. We have to be good moderators and good listeners in return. Yeah. Great. Um, the other, another one that you mentioned is getting, is being, uh, is having user feedback and having those insights. How about for the folks who have trouble getting those, either getting buy-in for doing user research or having access to users, you know, what, what suggestions do you have for folks for leveraging this topic? Yeah. I mean, I think one advice I would give is any data is better than no data. And Hmm. like at, at Amazon and at Microsoft, um, you know, we do fairly extensive, extensive customer surveys and user feedback sessions and focus groups. Um, but sometimes, you know, we don't necessarily have the the time or the means to do that in every single phase of our project. So, you know, depending on the decision that is at hand and whether you have access to anything or not, um, sometimes we, you know, we'll do like kind of more guerrilla style uh, sessions to get feedback from either people who, coworkers who have, who are not in your domain, but, you know, you kind of treat them as general um, customer or like family and friends. Of course, it's not ideal to make a multi-million dollar decision on, but, um, but, you know, when you're just like looking, thinking about one aspect, let's say in usability or like, let's say, you know, something around the layout of a screen or wording of something, um, a lot of times it's better to ping um, five to eight, five to 10 people to get their feedback rather than have no kind of third party feedback. And then you're left kind of as I'm sure many UX designers uh, have unfortunately been involved in, um, you're left in a sort of an opinion based discussion on what is the right uh, solution. And I think bringing in that third party voice is really important. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. It can definitely um, get us beyond, I mean, it necessarily gets us beyond just opinion and gets into expectations and experiences. And the great point about going gorilla, if need be. Yeah. And I think uh, with customer insights and validation um, by that, you know, I mean, like insights uh, coming into the start of your design project uh, that help give kind of direction. And with validation, it's about, well, okay, we, we have insights that we think point us to some areas uh, of discovery work. And we've done some of those conceptual explorations and detailed mocks, uh, but then you need to validate it. And again, it's going back to the customer to, to get feedback. Um, Cause sometimes insights could come from, you know, first or 
uh, or secondary research. You know, it doesn't have to be speaking directly to the customer. Um, yep. But validation, you know, it's definitely about getting feedback directly from people. Yep. Why is it more important in validation? Um, because at, at the end of the day, in validation, you're you're looking to uh, get feedback on a particular design that you have, um, whereas general insights um, and and preferences uh, give you direction overall on uh, what design strategy you may use or what features to focus on. Um, but validation is about like diving deeper into the actual screens and flows right before you launch or ideally on your way to launch so that you right. know no surprises um at the end of the day like you know there's nothing worse than um all your hard work uh not having the right impact because of let's say you know a few words that might have led to confusion in your flow right right great points what else about your chapter um did you want to convey here today I think in, in, in what I, what I raise around the four things to master, um, I think one of the key points to, to think through is, um, depending on the phase in your career and, and the environment that you're in, um, it's not just about being a rock star designer, hmm. you know, um, skills alone and what you think may be right isn't necessarily going to be um, uh, what brings you success. You know, a lot of what I talk about are really soft skills. And, right. um, and, and that is one of the main differences that I see in terms of more junior to more senior designers and their ability to not just have impact at work, but in terms of satisfaction, their ability to really uh, collaborate with with people, get their ideas across, uh, work back and forth with folks um, instead of uh, kind of running into walls all the time. Um, often uh, I see that as one of the main differences uh, between um, more junior folks who might uh, require more experience to figure that out uh, to more uh, senior people who have, who have been there before and figured out, okay, like I need to do more than just deliver my designs. Yeah, I'm really glad you say that, um, and I totally agree. Uh, soft skills are something that company are kind of lurking in the shadows in the UX world. Uh, in that we do talk about the hard skills that we need to have in terms of research or design or content or strategy, whatever we're working on. Um, but the soft skills are the things that turn people into I don't want to say experts, but into more advanced practitioners. Uh, being able to, as you said, sell your ideas and collaborate with others, and to do so in a meaningful way. Um, it's something I would love to see more in, in UX um, education. Yeah, totally. And, and instead of it being based on, you know, somebody figuring that out through experience. Um, uh, I'd say the other kind of thing I want to highlight is, you know, people do spend a lot of time debating uh, opinions on what the right answer may be through the product development process. And and sometimes the um, answer is right there in the research. So I would I would highly recommend for any designer, uh, if you have a research uh, um, access to a researcher to help you with your work, you should be their best buddy. 
um, and really fully um, understand the possibilities of what research can bring uh, to your work throughout the process. Yeah. Um, and if you don't have that uh, capability, uh, that kind of access to that capability, then um, I would, you know, learn more about what it means to do uh, research yourself without necessarily having to go and and become an expert necessarily. But again, um, some insight is better than none. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And to oversimplify what you just said, uh, insights and research can help break through uh, the circle of opinion that happens in, in some meetings. Yeah. And I think, you know, the the invaluable uh, aspect of bringing the customer perspective that unfortunately is still not like a habit for everybody, I think is, is, uh, is a really good way to, to lead really. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Um, anything else about your chapter about you wanted to convey before we move on to another piece of advice? Yeah, I think with communicating the problem and the goals, um, I'd say one aspect of how to do that is to not just focus on, let's say, um, competitive analysis to see how other brands may be doing something similar or, um, or your own kind of heuristic analysis. Take advantage and dive into uh, business metrics. You know, how, how is the business tracking success? and then using those numbers as well. So yeah, one thing that my, my, myself and my teams uh, do is we, we participate in the weekly business reviews to make sure that we have a, sort of a good pulse on what's happening and what kind of numbers are available to us so that when we do need help to make the case for something that we're kind of also leveraging uh, numbers that the business is already tracking because we know that the number uh, we we know that the business cares about those numbers as well. Right. So to not just focus on geeking out on the design and US UX aspect of um, of the the rationale, but to also bring in the business metrics that people care about. Yeah, we we often in design we often forget about the key performance indicators or KPIs and. This goes back to the beginning of our conversation of knowing what's important to the business and the KPIs are usually the, uh, almost like the root cause of what we should be thinking of. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Great. Um, so thank you for all of that. We're going to move on here to the final piece of advice. What we'd like to do in the final section here is uh, ask you for a piece of advice for folks either breaking into UX or continuing with their UX career, uh, a piece of advice you'd like to convey. Yeah, I, I would say that um, if you're earlier in your career, um, definitely be hungry when it comes to uh, working on different types of problems mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and opportunities. Um, especially if you're earlier on in your career, you want to kind of uh, network as much as you can. And, you know, yeah, network like out in, out in public or communities, obviously, but even within a company, you know, when you are working on more variety of projects, you will be exposed to more people and uh, build those relationships, build those rapports, and also learn about different aspects um, as well of what it means to solve different problems. And I think that will give you more access to other opportunities. Um, you know, sometimes your next opportunity is based on luck 
um, based on who you know. And, you know, the, the fewer amount of types of problems that you have solved, you know, you're not opening yourself to, to more opportunities. And instead, yeah. people will right away think, okay, they only have experience in this, and that's all they could do. But, um, but yeah, I, I think if you're early in your career, definitely uh, expand your horizons and, and be hungry about um, solving for different types of, of problems. Yep. I love your point about internal networking. You know, I always talk about networking, 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 because that's how you're going to find all your jobs. But honestly, I only think about it in terms of external networking, of getting out in the organizations and um, getting out there in the world. But great point about internal networking within your company to learn what others are doing and to um, build those relationships. Yeah, you never know. That may lead to your next opportunity within that company or even outside the company later on. Yep. Great. Well, Benson, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, it's been a wonderful chatting with you. Thank you, Dan. Uh, my guest today has been Benson Chan, who wrote the chapter, Sell Your Design Ideas with Trust and Insights. Thanks for joining us, everyone, today, and hope you enjoyed today's episode. The 97 UX Things podcast is a companion to the book, 97 Things Every UX Practitioner Should Know, published by O'Reilly, and all book royalties go to UX nonprofits. The theme music is Iron Lung by King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, and I'm your host and book editor, Dan Berlin. Please remember to find the needs in your community and fill them with your best work. Thanks for listening.